Hallelujah. Well, just a short message that I have for you. I started preparing, and I realized I'd bitten off more than I could chew. You know, it's like when you get a dog's bone, and it's actually the femur of a cow, and you give it to our little Yorkie. <laughs> Yorkie looks at it like, oh, what am I going to do with this? And I just started looking a little bit at it. So I, I've, got to just, I've just prepared something short and just fly through it because it's an absolute incredible thing. You know that when the Magi came looking for Jesus, they'd followed the star, which was prophesied by Balaam in the book of Numbers. And they'd learned from Daniel the scriptures. So the Magi came following the star that led them to Bethlehem. And when they came into Jerusalem, they thought they would find him in the palace. So, of course, they inquired kind of around the courts of the palace and to King Herod himself. And they said, where is he that is born king of the Jews. Where is he that is born king? Now, I don't know if you are aware of it, but a king always has a kingdom. And so one of the reasons why Herod arranged for the killing of all the little baby boys two years and under, because he worked out the time of the star, and by that time Jesus would have been one and a half or close to two. But a king has a kingdom, and every kingdom has got a unique philosophy or a unique flavor. There's a culture to the kingdom, and it all is taken from the king himself. Amen? If you've got a good king, righteousness reigns in the nation. Isn't that right? And so it's a blessing to be in that kingdom. And so the tenets of the kingdom, Jesus more or less explained them in Matthew chapter 5, but the Apostle Paul in the Romans, and I mentioned this verse last week, Romans chapter 14 verse 17 talking about the kingdom of God because it is so different from what the Jewish people had been experiencing up until that time because it was rigorous rituals, laws that had to have other laws to explain it, and, and it was quite involved. And uh, it was all about the sacrifices and the offerings that you were to make. And so he refers to the kingdom of God. Now I'm going to just quickly tell you the background of this chapter 14. In Romans chapter 14, the Apostle Paul is talking about Christians judging each other by their freedom or by their lack of freedom, or their freedom to or their freedom not to. And so the Jewish believers were saying, there's certain meats we cannot eat because in the marketplace those meats are sacrificed to idols. So the believers from a Gentile, non-Jewish background were going like, that's another, what, I mean, what are demons anyway? Demons are, they're few, you know, it's nothing. I mean, we just take this meat, bless the meat, and eat the meat. And so they were looking down on the Jews, and the Jews were judging them for, you know, their freedom. So Paul goes into that whole chapter and explains it, but then right up here in verse 17, he gets right to the heart of the matter, and he just goes like, and he says this, for the kingdom of God, Okay, so we saw the king was born. He has a kingdom. And then he says the kingdom of God, in other words, this vicinity or this area, this geographical area, which is actually the lives of people, is not meat and drink. In other words, it's not the meat that's offered on the sacrifices. It's not the libation drinks and all of those other kinds of things. It's not about that. He says the kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Isn't that awesome that he puts that in at the end? Righteousness, peace, and joy. And he had to add in the Holy Ghost 
Otherwise, what we would end up having to do is to really try and have the righteousness and the peace and the joy without any divine help. Amen. And it would reduce it basically to the same thing. It would be my efforts again. Isn't that right? So he said it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And that, I mean, it's such a powerful statement. I wish I was preparing this for another Sunday rather than today where I've only now got 20 minutes left, 22. But righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You know, the amazing thing is that the Magi, the wise men, brought gifts to Jesus of gold, myrrh, and frankincense. You know, all the Christmas cards, we see little boxes like this. But church history tells us, or tradition tells us, that there were something like 200 wagon loads of gold, myrrh, and frankincense. You know, in other words, it was a gift befitting a king. And so, you know, why would the Bible tell us that for our sakes, Jesus became poor? It wasn't that he became poor in that he gave up his glory. I mean, he had the wealth of a king, but which he relinquished and became poor, lived with no home, no place to lay down his head, and he became poor for us. And the end of that poverty saw him naked on a cross where they even divided up his clothing and things and cost lots for the garment. Amen? And so... So it was righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So just backing off of that, if we go to John chapter 4, and we see that he's sitting alone at the well, and this woman, Samaritan woman, comes up to him, asks him for a drink of water, and then he was basically saying, well, you should be asking me. And she said, you've got no bucket, no rope, got no nothing. How are you going to get water? And then he said this, if you knew who it was that was offering you a drink, and if you knew the gift of God, the gift of God. I want to say the gift of God. He said, you would ask him for a drink and he would give you this living water which would well up in you to eternal life. And so what Jesus was saying is that I have come to give a gift. It's interesting that men, wise men, came and gave him a gift. But he came as the wisest of men to give gifts to us, to make us kings. Amen. And so he said, the gift that I'm giving you is living water that if you drink, it wells up into eternal life. And so in other words, it just continues to flow and flow and flow up. And we see in John chapter 7, it actually then flows out of us in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So it's flowing up and welling up in us into eternal life. So it's a gift of God. Amen. Everyone say a gift. So I want to just have a look very quickly at the components of this gift. So in Romans chapter 5, Paul is explaining to the Jewish people, to his Jewish readers in the area of Rome, and he's writing to them and he's explaining to them this issue of sin. You know, how did it come about? How did, how did sin come into the world and pass on to all of us? And he takes two men, historical beings, and he begins a comparison with them. And the first one is, and uh, he talks about Adam. And he says, Adam, he said, had a commandment, and that was don't eat of the tree, but he sinned. And Paul refers to it in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 down to about verses um, whatever. No, not from verses 1. It's a bit further on. Romans 1 to 5, is, he's saying something else, and then he goes on from there. Okay, so it's Romans 5. But where he talks about by one man's trespass, Sin came to everybody. And he said, then along comes Jesus. Basically, he's in the nature of Adam in that sense. But what he does 
is he obeys. So I'm going to just read you the verses from verse 15. Listen to this. The gift, so he says the gift is not like the trespass. Because he talks about the gift that Jesus bring. So listen to this. The gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass, the sin of one man, Adam, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many. So now Paul is explaining what Jesus spoke about to the woman of Samaria. He's explaining what's this well of life? How does it begin? And so Paul continues, verse 16, Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But listen to this. But the gift followed many trespasses, and it brought justification. Yes. Yes. So what is the gift, Pastor John? Pastor John, what is the gift? If the gift followed the many offenses of many people, and it brought us to justification, what is that gift? You know the word justification? is The shortened version is justified, and you all know it. It's justified, never sinned. Amen. In other words, we've been put right with God. Look at verse 17. In verse 17, he says this, For if by the trespass of the one man, Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of what? Righteousness. Righteousness. Reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Amen. So Jesus said, I'm going to give you this living water. Let me just tell you the components of this living water, how this salvation works. The first thing I need to give you is by my grace, it's not anything you've earned, and that was the reason why he was born and grew up and died on the cross, you know, buried, rose again, and ascended to heaven. He says, I'm going to, come, I'm going to give you a gift, and that gift is righteousness. Yes. Amen? Yes. And Paul describes this righteousness. Remember, this is still Paul writing here. So Paul is describing this righteousness, and he speaks about it in Romans chapter 5, a little bit later on, where he talks about the death that Jesus died, he died for us all. And it says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen? Now that's a... That, I mean, not Romans chapter 5, verse 21. I'm looking at that verse and I'm thinking, that 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. I'm thinking, that's not the verse. Okay, so we were made, listen, this is amazing, the righteousness of God. I don't know if you ever, it still boggles my brain at this point in time that when God looks at me, he sees me like him. He sees his very own righteousness. I mean, that's unbelievable, isn't that right? And so we made, so this is the gift. So listen to what Paul says. This is Paul speaking. And like I said, I wish I had an hour to preach on this. But Paul says it in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. He says, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves, it is the gift. So we say, and this is not, it is the gift of God. Amen. Woo! So it's not by works so that you can boast. It's the gift of God. It's all the gift. He gave us the gift of faith and grace so we can believe. And when we believe, he goes like, 
You're righteous. You've got my righteousness. Amen. Wow. I tell you, that's really incredible. What an incredible gift that we've received. And so John tells us, and there's many scriptures that tell us that, but in 1 John chapter 2, verse 29, and 1 John chapter 3, verse 30, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 13, we've been justified by faith. We've been set right with God. He's given us the gift of righteousness. Now, the most appropriate thing we can do with that gift of righteousness is to live righteously. You know, we can't, we need to appropriate the gift. So 1 John chapter 3, verse 10, John makes it very plain that the ones who claim to be righteous live righteously. Amen? And so the first gift is the gift of righteousness. Amen? Then Paul continues. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 14, he says this, that Christ redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham, the blessing given to Abraham. How many of you know a gift is given? It's not earned. But here, the Apostle Paul is talking about the blessing which was given. So in other words, the blessing is a gift. Okay? He says, the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we may receive the promise of the Spirit. So the first thing he does, he says, all right, let me just tell you that because you put your faith in me and you believe what Jesus did for you, here is my gift to you. It is righteousness. You have my very own righteousness. It means that you've got access to me. It means when I look at you, I don't see you as a sinner. I see you as righteous and redeemed. Amen? But in order to maintain that, he says, you need a follow-up gift. You need the gift of the Holy Spirit. How? The same way, by faith. Isn't that right? By faith we receive the righteousness. He says, now you need the Holy Spirit, and it's by faith. So he says, the one is a gift, the other one he calls the blessing, but the blessing is still a gift. Amen? So we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you think that's awesome, but I think that's absolutely awesome. Because he says, so that, you see, it's a companion gift. It's a companion gift. Amen? I remember one year I was talking a lot about PCP air rifles and things like this. And, um, and I was like, I really want to get myself a PCP air rifle. Now, there's some people in this church, it's dangerous to say anything around them. Because you say something like that and then... For Christmas, you got to something, you know. So you've got to be really careful. So the one year I'm talking about, hey, these PCP air rifles, they're really nice. I wouldn't mind a PCP air rifle there. You also want a PCP air rifle. Yes, amen, amen. And uh, just talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. Okay. Because in this church, I mean, Jonathan has honed this gift to perfection. Faith without a hint is dead. I mean, Jonathan has, has worked that out to perfection. I mean, he flows in the gift of hinting. I mean, to the maximum. I mean, he's hinting so well that before you know it, you're giving him the thing he's hinting about, you know? I don't know. I asked him the other day, so how many TVs, microwaves, tools, and all of this thing have you got from me? You know, and he goes like, uh, you know, I said, how many TVs have you got? And he said, only one. I said, what did you do with the others? He said, I sewed them. So at least he sews as well. 
But anyway, so anyway, so I get this box for Christmas. I hear it rattles, you know, it's about yay high. And I'm going, what is this? I couldn't believe it when I opened it. It's a PCP air rifle. I'm like, wow, this is really, this is really awesome. And then next to it, from the same couple, is a, a smaller box. And I'm thinking, now, what is this? When I open it, I find it's a companion gift to the PCP air rifle. It's a scope. Awesome. I mean, isn't that awesome? And, you know, just kind and gracious and just give the whole package. But now, much more. God did the same. He said, let me give you the gift of righteousness. He says, aha, in order to operate in this, you know, carefully and profoundly and fully, he says, you need the gift of the Holy Spirit. To walk the life, to live the life. Amen. And that's why the Holy Spirit is also referred to as a blessing. So Peter says this in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, the gift of the Holy Spirit is so big because when we accept Jesus as our Savior, part of the package is that He comes to indwell us in the person of the Holy Spirit. So Paul says in Romans chapter 8, that when we accept Christ, we receive the Spirit of Christ. Amen? If we have not the Spirit of Christ, then we are none of His. So we have the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? Yeah. But when Peter was talking about it in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it was another level or another expression of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it was on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out and all the disciples received the gift of speaking in tongues. And they received this power to live the Christian life. First of all, they had power to be Christians. Now they had power to act as Christians. And he gives us an incredible gift of speaking in tongues, this supernatural prayer life that is theirs. I mean, don't you think that's really awesome? And it's all flowing out of the gift of Jesus to us. It's part of the gifts that he gives. But not only that, Paul tells us in Galatians 5.22, he says, Now I want you to know that when you have the Holy Spirit in you, something naturally happens. Something just grows out of your life. And look, there is some nurture and there is some cultivation that is required. But he starts to refer to the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That results in your life. But I don't know if you've ever thought about it. If you think about it and you reflect and meditate on it, you will realize that even the fruit of the Holy Spirit is a gift. Amen? Because he says, and the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness. And he lists nine expressions of this incredible gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we start behaving and acting like Christ himself. Amen? And so that is something that's amazing. So our original verse says this. The kingdom of God is not in meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I mean, so now I've explained more or less the righteousness, but now but what about the peace? And I've got a couple of minutes to explain that. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Paul says this. Therefore, since we've been justified, put right with God, and we are now the righteousness of God. Through faith, 
We have peace with God. That's Romans 5 verse 1. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's amazing. Paul describes our condition when we're not Christians in the book of Romans and other epistles. And he says that we were alienated from God and we were enemies of God because of our sinful minds. God was not our enemy. We were his enemy. Now, I know if I look around you, you're all just wonderful, loving people. You're just the most amazing people. But how many of you have got enemies? Yes. I've got a few. And I'm the nicest person you've ever met in your life. I mean, why would anybody? Why would, any, why would anybody not like me? I'm so nice. But I've got enemies. Maybe it's because I'm nice. I don't know. I don't know why. I, I really don't know why. And when I look at you, I could never even begin to think why somebody wouldn't like you. I mean, God is the nicest person. But when we were not Christians, when we were not saved, we were enemies of God. Because of our lifestyle, we lived as enemies of God. And Paul says it to some Christians. He said, please don't live as enemies of the cross. In opposition to the cross. Is that all right? And so we were enemies with God. And so when we accepted Jesus as our Savior, Paul says, he says, what happened was you received the gift of peace with God. Now that peace is a phenomenal peace. So that's an incredible peace with God. In other words, it's this reconciliation. In other words, there's nothing between you and God. There's no issue between you and God. God does not have an issue with you. Never did have. But now there's no issue either from you with God because you've accepted the gift of salvation. Amen? So we are at peace with God. So it's righteousness, peace. Righteousness, peace. There's peace with God. Okay. And then not only that, but Jesus said this in John chapter 14. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And basically what he was saying is, don't have fear. Don't have fear. Later in verse 26 of John chapter 14, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Is that okay? So he was basically saying, not only can you have peace with God, but now you can have the peace of God. Once you've got peace with God, you can have the peace of God. I'm sure there's many of you who can testify to it, and there's plenty of testimonies around when believers, and maybe you, have faced things that would devastate someone that doesn't know Jesus, though it affects you, but within and as a solid bedrock of foundation in your life, you find that there is this peace of God ruling and reigning in your life. It's just amazing. Over the years of ministry, I've had it countless times, testimonies of people, for example, who were made redundant, and they were the only ones that had absolute peace and were saying, it's okay when one door closes, another opens. And people in the workplaces were saying, how can you be so peaceful? How can you not be? And some people were contemplating suicide and all kinds of things. Yeah. But it's because 
not only do we have peace with God, the fruit of that is we have the peace of God. Amen? Amen. And then he says, righteousness, peace, and then joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, joy should be one of the, the landmarks of Christianity. Isn't that right? Yeah. Joy should be like, um, I don't know how, how many of you ever see uh, footages and things of the Las Vegas strip, you know, and that gambling area. There's just neon lights everywhere. Yeah. Amen? And, you know, all these gambling places is just lights. Well, that's what church should be, you know? I mean, you know, we should have these fluorescents on our heads going, joy, 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 joy. Okay, you can smile at that, otherwise I think I'm preaching to the right people, you know? But it's just joy. And so one of the fruit of the Christian life is joy. And over and over again, I mean, it's probably one of the most named words in the New Testament. You know, Paul would just say rejoice. And again, I say rejoice, you know, and let your joy be evident to all. And so many verses. But the thing is, if there's righteousness and we're right with God and we have peace with God, and now we have the peace of God, also with all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it would be like, okay, so... There's not really too much to be miserable about because if God is for us, who can be against us? And it should release in us this fountain of indescribable joy. Happiness and joy are not the same thing. They can look like the same thing, but they're not the same thing. Happiness is dependent upon circumstances. Joy is not dependent upon anything other than the fact that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen? And so Peter says this, though you have not seen him, and he's writing not only to those that he was writing his epistle to, he's writing it to us. He says, you love him, even though you haven't seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. Is this amen so far? Okay, so let's, let's just go back again, and then we say amen to each one. All right. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Yeah, I thought the amen wasn't going to be as loud, but you passed. It was good. Amen. So Christmas time, the king was born. The king has a kingdom. This is a part of his kingdom. It's without borders. It's transnational. It's trans-race. It extends all over the face of the world. And it's people have put their faith in him. The geography of the kingdom is the hearts and the minds of men and women and children. Amen? Who've submitted to his lordship. That's his kingdom. But the king and his kingdom has got three really, really fundamental elements to it. And that is righteousness and peace and joy. In the Holy Ghost, who's a special gift. Amen. So I pray that you already have, and that today you will, and you will continue through the festive season and into the new year, continue to experience that righteousness of God. Amen. And I'm, this is my prayer. I'm praying that a certain thing is eradicated from our lives in ACF. This certain thing is this, that... If I have accepted Jesus as my Savior, and you guys have, if I believe in Him, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. So the thing that I'm praying that will be eradicated is that when something goes wrong, 
the first thought in our minds is not this. Well, maybe it's because I sinned. Maybe it's because God has an issue with me. Maybe it's because God is angry with me. God is not angry with me. He sent Jesus. Amen. How would he send Jesus and then still be angry with you? You know, sometimes stuff happens because you are righteous. Because the Bible says there's an enemy of your soul. Is that okay? Who accuses and condemns and tempts. So righteousness, peace, 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 peace with God, the peace of God, my very own peace I give to you, Jesus said. Not the peace of this world, my peace, my peace, my peace. And in the joy that's also in the Holy Ghost. So let's just, let's just pray. I want to just, I just want to ask us to close our eyes and bow our heads. You don't have to acknowledge it. But I, it's been a tough year. It's been a challenging year. And um, many of you have gone through stuff. But I dare say that as many people are here this morning is as many battles that have taken place this year. But just with your eyes closed and your head bowed, I want you right now to accept the gift of peace from the Lord Jesus. The disciples were all anxious because he said, I was leaving. Jesus said, I'm leaving. They were all anxious. He was the world they knew. And they'd given their lives. They'd left everything. And now Jesus says, I'm going. And he says, hey, wait a minute. Peace. Peace. You believe in God in the same way you believe in me. Peace, my peace. So, Father, as the shepherd under you, the chief shepherd, I'm praying for the very peace of God. That peace that Jesus promised, that he possesses, that he said to his disciples, in other words, he was saying, I'm able to give you the fortitude of heart and mind, this calmness, this peace, I'm able to give it to you. The peace of God, the peace that surpasses all understanding. And I bless this congregation, this group of people that are here this morning, I bless them. Will guard them with your very own peace. That will guard their heart and mind in Jesus' name. The peace. Let your peace, let your peace, let your peace overrule every anxiety. Let your peace calm all anxious thoughts. Lord, let your peace still every stormy emotion. Lord, let your peace put a, an end and a full stop to fearful chains of thought that are just running wild arrested peace I pray in Jesus name Amen